0: Welcome to the Prospering Soul Podcast. This limited series is all about how to take care of your soul and how to make sure you understand the ways to be healthy and balanced in life. In this series, John Metter, lead pastor of Cross City Church, sits down to explain one of the most important secrets of his own spiritual growth and a detailed explanation of how people change. This is John Metter, and welcome to the tenth installation of the Prospering Soul. This is our last episode of the series, and I really appreciate you being with us during this series. I know sometimes it might be easier to listen to this several times uh, in order to get the details of it, because we we move pretty quickly through a very large subject, and I'm hoping to write a book on this someday. And uh, so, but the teaching of the Prospering Soul is such an important thing for healthy living to have a soul that prospers uh, that's in good health that allows us to have good practices and um, a good way of uh, battling thoughts and emotions and habits that drag us down is something that everybody needs we need to have soul health so we've talked about everything from the process of a thought to how to how to deal with our changed thinking how to overcome negative emotions how to transform your will. We've talked about the different weapons that we have to do that with. We've taught you to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Um, And that's true of all kinds of thinking. And for the believer, it means that we are literally given every tool we need to be able to have a healthy mindset. The diagram I gave you and talked about with the pendulum was very, very important to me because that pendulum is grounded Uh, by the truth that God gives us. That's the gravitational force that keeps us in balance. We can have motions on all different sides uh, of that point of truth. We can be happy or sad. Uh, We can be excited or we can be cautious. But when that pendulum swings so wide that our responses are extreme, then it complicates life, it complicates our emotions, it complicates our relationships. So in this particular um, session of The Prospering Soul, I want to talk to you about habits and routines, and this won't be a long session because it's a summary, but these habits and routines that I'm going to share with you are things that I've shared with leaders over the years, and I've just assembled them together, and I want to encourage you to think carefully through these routines. Think carefully through what it means for you to put these habits into your life, this way of thinking into your life, and, and to see how it affects your mental health to see how it affects your balanced thinking, to see if it moves some of the extremes off of your emotional responses, your thinking, your immediate thoughts. Um, It's not the end all, but it's a very good way to run the marathon of life. And so we'll be talking about these habits and routines. I'm going to give you several of them, and uh, one at a time. And I just want to encourage you to build these into your life. So here's number one. If you're taking notes or if you are uh, going to mark these in your mind uh, for, for later thought, number one, successful people create margins in their life to spend time with God and with truth. They, they create margins in their life to spend time with God and truth. Now, you can translate that very easily to say spend time with God in Scripture, but I'm aware there are people out there that, that may not uh, be followers of God, may not be followers of Jesus, but they're looking for a way to balance their lives. And uh, so I want to use as generic terms as I can in this particular podcast, because I want you to know that if you spend time with God, you're spending time with the God who is absolute, who gives absolute truth. He's the creator of the universe. He wants a relationship with you, and he will give you a relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. And um, for you to have a balanced life, you need to be in touch with the God who created you and the truth that he grounds you in. So these people who are successful create margins in their life to spend time with God and with truth. I've learned this. It's not possible to serve others consistently. It's not possible to be around people with all different kinds of ideas and thoughts if our own well is not replenished with fresh water, if our own sense of balance is not grounded in something other than other people or the culture." Now, the whole idea of a prospering soul is the desire to operate out of a full and healthy spiritual life. And that's the difference maker, it really is, between finishing a task and fulfilling a ministry, uh, doing something well, whether it's marriage or work or uh, relationships, it's the difference maker, being able to have a full, healthy life. Often I've heard people say to me, I don't want to be in a relationship with an unhealthy person because uh, then they will drag me down. And I, I agree that each of us have the responsibility to be healthy. And I can't do that without some sense of uh, the Lord in my life and his life-giving word at work in me. And that does take some work, takes some disciplines for you to create margins in your life to spend time with God. Now, I spend my time with God mostly in the mornings. God is never far from my mind, and the Scripture is uh, never far from my mind either, but I have a, a, a dedicated time that I do meet with God, and it's usually right when I wake up in the morning. Uh, it's not like I wake up and automatically think about that. It's not like um, I think that's always just a fun time. I don't approach that from the idea of, oh, this is going to be comfortable, easy. Uh, I approach it from a perspective of discipline. I need to pause in my life and set my directions every single day. And I discipline myself to do that. Now, I'm going to give you three words that start with D that I found helpful because sometimes people don't spend time with God and the truth, the Word of God, uh, until they desire it or until they delight it or until they're um, uh, in desperation in some way. But here's what I believe. I believe that if you spend time, discipline time, uh, with God and with His truth, Then the desperation moments you're already prepared for. And we discipline ourselves because we know it's right and good and we need that grounding. So discipline's the first word that I encourage you to do. Even if you don't feel like spending time with God, even if you think it's difficult, difficult to read the Bible, difficult to pray, uh, discipline yourself to do that anyway, even for just a small amount of time. There's a second D that comes into play shortly thereafter. It's called desire. When I disciplined myself to spend some time with God, later on in that process, I really began to desire to spend time with him. I look forward to opening my Bible. I look forward to finding out what the truth is that I need to be equipped with for this day. And, uh, and that's a daily thing. And God is always faithful when I discipline myself to give me those moments uh, after a, a period of habit where I am really interacting with him in prayer and in learning what the truth is. So first is discipline, second is desire, and the third D is delight, delight. Later on in this process, it just becomes absolute fun because not only have you built a habit of spending time with God in truth, you begin to want more and you begin to delight it in it whenever you see him speak to you in one way or another. And you can actually see it on someone's face when they are uh, actually spending time with God and spending time with truth It's a huge, huge thing. You see them rising in their level of maturity. You see joy and eagerness in their lives. Uh, They have the ability to serve others because they have found that their well is full with them spending time with God. So, number one, people create margins in their life to spend time with God. Let me just make this confession that I'm not perfect in that discipline and that devotion. But I will also say I've never regretted it, not once I have spent time with God in um, over a long period of time, and as I look back on life, I can't imagine handling life without Him and without His truth. As a matter of fact, I know what happens to people's lives who are not grounded in the truth. They literally experience shipwreck in life, and, and that's not what we want for you or anybody else. So create margin in your life to spend time with God. It could be 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Uh, there's a whole host of resources. That will uh, complement your time in Scripture. But I would encourage you, if you've never done it before, just to take time to read through the book of Proverbs one chapter a day. That's how I began years ago. And I would read chapter 1 of Proverbs on the first day of the month, chapter 2 on the second day, and so forth. And I would just look in that book, that chapter that I read every day, for truth or wisdom about my life. I would say, God, show me what I need to learn about being a man. And about being a man who's balanced. And uh, that's really how I began. And as I read the book of Proverbs, I realized that God could speak to me every single day. And uh, of course, now I read throughout the whole Bible. But I began in the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that God gives us. So create margins. That's number one. Number two, these successful people have created routines and habits that give them stability and balance. Routines and habits that give them stability and balance. Um, I know that I'm going to step on a few toes here because everybody has their own way of routine or habit. They have their own time they like to get up or time they like to go to bed at night. And and I agree that no one size fits all. I realize that. But I'm going to quote Jordan Peterson here, who is a a, a global speaker to men in particular about uh, their lives, about having balance and working and walking with the truth. Jordan Peterson Uh, in recent years has become a believer in Jesus Christ after having been a philosopher, a psychologist, and a, a speaker and author. And here's what he says about routines. He says, if you don't have a routine, get one. If you don't have a regular margin in rhythm, there's no way you can be mentally healthy. Whatever time you get up, pick one and stick with it. Otherwise, you dysregulate your circadian rhythms and they regulate your mood. I had lots of clients with personality disorders. One was a brilliant girl who wouldn't eat in the morning at all and most of the time she did with just three quarters of a cup of rice a day and when she ate she felt stronger and balanced her thinking but it didn't last long, she was empty. And my counsel to her was get a regular schedule, sleep well, eat a full diet. And when she began to do that in just a matter of weeks all of her anxiety went away. She had previously been captured by anxiety, uh, was not mentally healthy. And by tweaking her routines and habits, just in a secular context, she was much healthier. Now, I would just go on and say that that's why God created the world the way he did. Seven days, evening and morning, the first day and so forth. There are regular cycles that we have in life. There's a regular cycle of a day and seven days in a week and so forth. And all these are built so that we might have a routine. So if you don't have a routine, said Jordan Peterson and John Metter, get one. And go to bed at a reasonable time. Get up at the same time every day. Build habits and routines into your life that let you have stability. If you were to take a step back and just write your schedule out for the last 14 days on a piece of paper, and if you would compare your routines with the balance of life that you feel you achieve at this moment, they might line up. In other words, if you don't have a good routine and you're all over the page, all over the calendar, it might mirror the fact that you could be all over the page and all over the calendar with your thinking. Um, But I can promise you this, if you have routines, it brings a more stabilized life. And I want to encourage you to create routines and habits that give you a degree of predictability and a way to build margins into your life. Okay, that's number two. Create routines and habits to give them balance and stability. Then here's principle number three. These successful people know that life is often a battle and they know how to fight. Now, I'm talking about the spiritual battle today, the battle for a tranquil, prospering, consistent soul. When our mind is where it ought to be, our emotions are being surrendered daily, even moment by moment, and our will is subject to truth and to Christ and to facts. The battle is won in your mind. And it's really important that you know that the weapon that God gave you to do battle in your mind is the Word of God. I'm going to refer to Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 again, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, If you've been with us, you know that I've been talking about that the last few weeks. And when I talk to people about this, I consistently hear how important this weapon is. When we use it, we win the battle of our souls. God has given us all the weapons we need. But I would also say that prayer and praise are important pieces of this as well. Helping us win the battle means that we place our mind in the right places and on the right things. This is why I always encourage people that you need to be in corporate worship. You need to be in prayer, both you, yourself, and God, and others. You need to be in the Word on a regular basis. As a pastor, uh, of course you would expect me to say, you need to be regularly worshiping with God's people in church. You need to be faithful to that. But let me just say, from the perspective of mental health and the perspective of soul prosperity, you absolutely must be in that place around God's people, around God's word, around a consistent group of people who verbalize their prayer and their praise to God and in doing so, replace all fear, anxiety, and everything else that's going on in their mind at the time. It's kind of like a training table. If you're not on the training table of a healthy soul, which God created, then you're not going to have a healthy time of it on the the playing field. So they learn to do this. They learn to realize that life is a battle and they have the weapons by which to win the war. Then there's number four. These successful people learn to lead themselves first and then they're able to lead others also. Great service are not in bondage to their emotions and feelings. Uh, I fly quite a bit and I've seen a lot happen on airplanes and you have too. And uh, I've seen a number of YouTube videos where Someone was unstable on a plane. Maybe they were threatening others. Maybe they were just loud. Maybe they were just panicky. Uh, They might have been responding to someone else that was a little loud, maybe a baby that's crying, and they just lose control. They lose control. And uh, in that YouTube video where I see this happening quite a bit, these airline attendants have to referee them. And they have to actually be calm and composed while everyone else seems to be losing their balance. And they do this really well, but they're trained well. They're trained that in that moment, you can't be emotional. You can't be loud because other people are, and all you'll do is escalate this. So basically, you have to lead yourself first, and then you're able to lead others to a place of stability. So let me just say that people who serve God well, or serve their families well, or serve their business well, learn to lead themselves away from disputes and reactions and moodiness and inconsistencies. They've done this because it keeps them from being a living witness to the power of Christ. It keeps them from spoiling the group mindset when they don't control themselves. When we master our own lives through His truth, we're in a prime position to lead and help and serve others and to build our organizations, and to do our work in a in a great, great way. Whenever I watch leaders around me, if I see moody leaders, and I see that they can't control their own moods, I don't give them uh, additional places of responsibility. Why would I give them more in the way of leadership when they're not leading themselves? Uh, and I know that may sound, may sound tough, and everybody has those moments where they are down, but if I see someone not fighting, and I see someone not trying to win that battle and not trying to lead themselves, then I can make a a very distinct factual conclusion they're not leadership material. So I know all of us want to be good leaders, and I know we want to be leadership material, but good leaders and balanced people learn to lead themselves first, and then they're able to lead others. And you know we need a lot of great leaders in the world today. So number five and the last one is this. They have overcome the desire, the natural desire to simply be served. To be served. One of the great illustrations that Jesus gave us is a statement. He said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And he makes sure his disciples understand this as well. It's a key attribute of great leaders. If you're not wanting to serve others that you lead, why would they follow you? I mean, they may follow you because they're afraid to be fired or they're afraid that you'll somehow retaliate. But the reality is you want people to follow you because you love them enough and you serve them enough where they realize you're about them and you're about their health as well as the health of the organization. It's a key attribute for those who are in successful marriage relationships and work relationships. It's the key to life. And that we're willing to overcome the natural desire to simply be served. If all I did in my household was to expect my wife to serve me. If all I did in my workplace was to expect those people who work with our organization, with our church, to serve me, then I'm not a good leader at all. We all serve each other in this, and we overcome the natural desire to simply be served. Now, our reward for that is not now. It's later, and it's greater. It's later and greater because God will reward us for living the kind of life he calls us to live while we're on the planet. Living in a balanced way, thinking on the basis of truth, being grounded by the gravitational force of God's truth, not being blown to and fro by lies and speculations and strongholds. And all these things have to do with one day an eternal reward. Now, you may not be thinking about that eternal reward, but I assure you it'll be well worth it. And not only that, those who live for an eternal reward are decidedly not living just for the reward now. Meaning that you don't respond in a good way to people just because they can respond well back to you. You do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because it's the balanced way to live. It's the best way to live. And it follows the example of the one that we follow who's, who is Jesus Christ. So I want to end this uh, this podcast and this whole series by saying what it says in 3rd John verse 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So let me encourage you with that, that, uh, that John said that to one of those who followed with him as they followed Christ. And it's recorded in the Word of God and it's important for us to learn how to have a prospering soul. And you have the, all the tools to do that with in Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us. It's been a real joy to share these 10 sessions with you on a prospering soul. And I hope to catch you on another podcast that we do. Until then, I'm signing off as John Metter.